Test. One, two. Good day, everybody. I, my name is David Irvin, and I want to welcome you all to this session's podcast, Conversations with Authentic Leaders. For those of you who've listened to my uh, podcast previously, you know my passion and vision to, is about to, to really make the world a better place by helping leaders become more authentic, by being more of who they are and bringing more of who they are to what they do. And this podcast series is focused on leadership, not so much in terms of what leaders do, but how do leaders become who they are? I have been having conversations with leaders that I have deep respect for, deep admiration for, who have and continue to have an impact on the world by their, what I call, their authentic presence. And I am fortunate enough today to have a, a, a person who has been a friend of mine for probably, I'm going to say at least, at least 20 years and maybe even longer. In fact, I think maybe Dale and I, our, our relationship started back in the 80s actually when we first met. And uh, Dale has been a CEO of many organizations and uh, some of which I've had the privilege of, I think maybe all of them I've had the privilege of making a contribution to. But uh, Dale has become a good friend, Dale Kelly, and uh, just a person who really lives what he teaches, has, is so aligned with these values of authenticity, the importance of people, the importance of building systems that don't just make a difference to a company Dale, you've built not just great companies in your career, but you've really built great lives. You've, I think your my interpretation or, or experience with you is that you have really used your work in building companies to really improve people's lives, to improve their leadership capacity. You know how to build capacity around you. And so it's just my good fortune to have you as a, as a, a guest in our conversation with, with a person that, you know, I just really respect you a great deal, Dale. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, David. I'm honored to be here. So let me just start by just having you share a little bit about your uh, leadership background, what, uh, what companies, some of the companies that you've been a CEO of, and uh, what, just what your vision of leadership has been over the years. Just to tell us just a little bit about the your work. You you outlined it very well as far as I'm concerned, uh, David. I, I really believe everyone is a leader. Uh, it's a, it's always in context in terms of uh, when people play the role and, and when people are the followers. I strongly believe that the, the human capacity is what any leader should want to figure out how to support and uh, and foster greater work and so in my various leadership opportunities over the last 35 years that's what i've attempted to do and uh and i think i i've been fairly successful in, in that regard um it started by having a, a, a excellent role model in, in my father who had his own company and uh and dad always said that he never asked anyone to do what he wasn't prepared to do himself um i i worked for him for quite a few uh, summers as a student, and I got to see him firsthand, how he uh, responded to situations and to people, and and I can remember asking him once, 
if he was always like that. And, and he said, are you kidding? Uh, you know, when I first started running my business, I was a, an emotional and stressful wreck. And uh, he, um, he had an outbreak of hives, and he met with his physician, and his physician said, you have one or two choices, die young or figure out how to manage your, yourself better than you are today. And so as the youngest child in our family, I got to see my father in what I think was his, were, were his best years. And so from that, I, I launched uh, into my own career, started out with uh, uh, ATB Financial in, in the Ag Department, and then moved uh, eventually into running the department. And uh, it, it was a, a tremendous uh, privilege to be in that role because I was, 20, I was only 24 when I took over that role. And a lot, if not every person around me, had lots of gray hair, lots of experience. And here I was uh, creating a department that had never existed before. And we built a, a tremendous team. And uh, through that experience, I, I got to learn what it was like to, to create teams and people. And from that experience, I was encouraged by the person I reported to, Les Bland, uh, to come out of my shell. Uh, he said that I was very good at delegating uh, assignments that required presentations, but that the community really wanted to hear from me and I didn't like to uh, speak. So I got myself involved in Toastmasters. I took a number of uh, leadership programs, a number of uh, human discovery programs over the next uh, 30 years, I just got in, I just got embraced in in that in that world. And as you know, and, and you mentioned in your opening statement, um, part of my journey included a session with you, and and I admired your work. And eventually, uh, you started influencing the people that I was leading by doing sessions with the people I led. And, and I think, as you said, virtually every organization I was part of. Uh, you also contributed your wealth of experience and knowledge. And every time the people that participated said that you were the best step I'd ever taken to build the human spirit and team. Well, uh, Dale, that, that's uh, tremendous uh, in terms of your, your journey here. Can you just give us a little bit of a map of what, uh, what some of the companies that you've worked, that you've worked in and led? Where did, it, where did you go from ATB? I, uh, from ATB, I, I took a, a, a job, not a leadership position necessarily, but a job with um, KPMG Pete Marwick. I learned the consulting world. It's the only job in my entire life I've, I was ever fired from. Um, being a consultant is not easy. I learned the, the world of um, roller coasters. Uh, Bill Day was a the tax partner and the person I reported to, who was incredible. Uh, he embraced me. Um, I think he cried more than I did uh, the day that we severed each other's uh, relationship. Uh, but it was the best thing that ever happened. I, I went from that role to creating my own company. And for the next five years, I, I ran my own company. And so I, and part of it was the kick in the pants that I needed uh, because I, I didn't work well learning the consulting role through KPMG, but for five years when you're working on your own and, and 
attempting to make sure you meet all your bills and you feed your family, clothe your family, uh, you become very, very creative. And um, after that, I, I went back to ATB Financial and then I ended up uh, leaving there and going to the Canadian Charlet Association, which is a, a Canadian uh, beef genetics breed organization. I, I led that uh, for about five or six years, and then I was asked to also take on the Canadian Limousin and the Canadian Cimital Association. So over a period of time, I was the uh, leader of all, all organizations. And then I left there and um, started an organization in Atlantic Canada for for farmers uh, on the extension side, looking for support. And we built a team from from started with myself uh, till five years later. We had um, forty people, and we were doing on-farm consulting work uh, locally and internationally. And then I left there and joined. Uh, SRC, the Saskatchewan Research Council, as the VP of Ag Biotechnology before um, finishing that career. And I started with uh, TOS Biosciences, which is now called Keyleaf Life Sciences. And I've, I've just come in the process of completing uh, uh, eight and a half years with that organization in, uh, as a CEO. What would you say? would be your greatest reward as a leader all these years in running these companies? Could you articulate, is there anything that stands out for you that says this has made my career meaningful and satisfying and fulfilling to me? Is there anything singly that comes to mind or not? Uh, it may be a, a conglomeration of, of some qualities that you've put together. What's been rewarding for you? It's been every email, every letter, every phone conversation, um, every posting on my LinkedIn site uh, about the, the positive difference I made in the life of an individual as they um, came to terms with their own leadership role. Um, to know that I made a positive difference in another's leaders, even though at the time they were a subordinate, um, to know that I was that influential in the choices that they made, even um, chairs chairs of board, when I led the, the, the various Canadian beef breed organizations, I would have chairs of those boards come back to me and say, you know, if, if you weren't the CEO of the organization, I would not have been a successful board chair. Um, I, I am absolutely thrilled to know that I have been part of um, building another person because I know that other people have built me, and so I, it's just like paying it forward. When when I know those that supported building me, I've turned around and supported building others. So when I receive that, that feedback, whether it's in verbally or in writing, um, it's, it's, it's been a real honor. And I know you uh, have humbly not uh, talked about the financial success of these companies, but I think as I hear you speak and as I've known you now for these three decades, 
Um, and I think uh, as I reflect upon our time together, I would, I, I would imagine that the financial success is but a tool, is but a means to a much higher end for you. As rewarding as the financial success I'm sure was and has been over the years, it's really about people. I, I had um, a number of really good mentors help me appreciate that you can be you can be very good at building people if there's no financial support that's sustainable around you then you've really not accomplished what's going to have um, long-term action and so you're correct um, I'm, I'm, I'm very privileged to say that uh, the organizations that I was part of, uh, we either turned them around from being financially very fragile to being very successful, or we built them from scratch uh, to being very sound financially, or we've taken um, uh, organizations that never knew how to make profitability uh, to being very successful at, at being profitable. Well, maybe that's a good segue for us for us to lead into the discussion about your philosophy of leadership, you've certainly alluded to it at this point, but where does the, the, the integration between financial and personal come in together? And what really, how would you articulate that philosophy of leadership? And then around my notion of authenticity, what, is, what does authenticity have to, to do to impact all of that? What does it have to do with leadership? conversation in uh, Halifax about uh, 10 days ago with a gentleman out of Sri Lanka who uh, 26 years ago started building a infrastructure of organic farmers and he he made a comment that struck me he said you you cannot define sustainable agriculture unless you mean part of that definition includes being profitable and I, I looked at him and I said, really? And he said, there's nothing wrong with being profitable. And that was that was a concept that it, it definitely took me um, years to, to be comfortable with, not to be profitable necessarily, but finding that balance between um, a healthy profit and just returns that I don't understand. I, I can remember in 1984, a, a very well-known CEO of a company we all know well, that's a, that's a, a U.S.-based company, um, his, his uh, personal pay package that year was $46 million. And I just, I, I just thought to myself, that it, it, it's irrational for me how one person in one year I don't care what the stock price did, but how can one person ha have really earned that kind of financial contribution? So and when you look at the multiples today of what a North American CEO makes uh, versus the average employee of their companies, it's, it's risen extraordinary to what it was 40 years ago. And so, I, yes, I believe we need to be profitable. I also believe that there needs to be a reasonable investment back into the best business. There needs to be a reasonable investment back into the people, and there needs to be a reasonable understanding that profits without people are meaningless. Profits with people 
customers or employees or other leadership uh, people, they go hand in hand. And, and there's no right answer. I appreciate that. It's it's important, though, to figure out what works for, for your company and what works for you as an individual. Well, on, as I've observed your path and your growth over these many years, Dale, the one quality that I would certainly, and I, I know this is my own bias, but I would certainly see you as an authentic person. You're the real deal, and you earn respect and credibility and the ability to influence that comes from this sense of just being who you are, being yourself. And again, it's kind of a challenge sometimes to know just which self we're talking about here. But what does that mean to you, where you have just learned to be comfortable with who you are, not comparing yourself so much to other people, and built your organizations and your leadership and the people around you through, through being who you are? Can you speak to that at all? I, I can. I mentioned at the outset uh, that I had uh, early in my career be- began with Toastmasters International, which is all about leadership and communication. We um, were exposed to a number of programs, which, of course, once you've got one program, it, it, it just keeps the plethora of availability. It just keeps opening up. So you become more selective, and um, that's probably where you come into my life, David, is, is when I met with you back in the early 80s, and I think we were very close to having a relationship now that dates back 30 years, but when I heard you speak at the very first session um, and the values that you exposed were, for me, critical. And so every leadership program I looked for, they had to have that, what I called sort of the David basic principles with it and um, I think you know that the sessions that you led with me over the years each time that you were in the city with me wherever I was you always took time to take a walk with me and talk about Dale and how Dale was doing and I always shared with you what I was going through and um, those conversations helped me to find out who I was and to, to, to remain committed to myself and uh, it's why I've ended up um, being a, a very appreciative human to the work that you do. And now seeing the evolution of your work into the Other Everest program, I, um, I really believe that that's the kind of legacy work that this world needs. Uh, whether, whether we like it or not as humans, uh, we, we all live on the globe together. We all have finite resources, and we need to become better stewards. And your work and the, the reflections that uh, you encourage us to think about really makes us dive deep to ask ourselves whether or not when we're a leader, the decisions that we're making, whether they really do reflect on those core values of authentic leadership. And if they don't, um, then we need to make we need to make a hard decision as to whether or not that decision we're about to make needs to be revisited. Well, Dale, I I appreciate those thoughts, and you know it it is as you know my notion that we have this world that's continually looking up to the, the next summit, as I call it, the next climb to Everest, the next achievement. 
and that my basic premise is that leadership isn't just about height, it's also about depth. And we take people on this journey down into a deeper part of themselves to really look at who the core is, what are your values, what does it mean to be a person of strong character and to live in alignment with that notion of an inner compass, that notion that the, you know we all know about Mount Everest, but the deepest point in the world is, is it found in the Mariana Trench, right? which is like an inverted Everest, which is more than 8,000 meters below sea level. So success isn't just about height. Nothing wrong with height, although we have to be careful if we stay up at that height too long. It's also about depth. And so I am just very curious with a person who has made the... And, you know, we can't in this short conversation really articulate the impact that you have had on so many people over these years. Uh... How would you define your own authenticity? How, you know, you talked about your father and the impact that your father had on you at the beginning of this conversation. What were maybe some of your defining moments that took you down to where you developed this depth of being able to bring that wisdom and perspective and presence, for want of a better word, it's so hard to articulate, to articulate, in your work as a leader, where did that come from? Can you define that at all? Are there some defining moments that just come to your mind in terms of your own evolution? I would say the journey to uh, authenticity is is lifelong. There's certainly a degree of um, comfort and uh, integrity and transparency that that goes with every life, uh, depending on, on where and what things are happening at the time. I have uh, had extremely tremendous mentors in my life, and some of them had options at the time to take what I would have called the short way out, and they could have uh, reaped great financial gains uh, by by not um, causing waves, and I was fortunate to watch them not not do that. <laughs> they, they always stuck to what I called the high road. And in those life examples and, and watching people do that, uh, even though they had to endure a ridicule from their peers, they, in their own heart of hearts, could not make a decision that would thrust upon them by, by others. And so through those life experiences, uh, whether it was at the bank um, or a board chairman uh, that I reported to, um, I saw people with integrity that they wanted to look themselves in the mirror or they wanted to know when they were laying in the box uh, under the ground that they never compromised uh, what they felt was the best decision at the time. And all of us, I'm certain, would, uh, for those that I believe are, are really authentic leaders, we're always asking ourselves, did we make the right decisions or the best decisions based on what we knew at the time? And um, I was fortunate to have mentors that did and, and therefore influenced, influenced me and were, were complementary to to my leadership uh, um, experience, 
and I also know that I am so far from perfect, and yet that's not to me what authenticity is about. Uh, authenticity to me is learning to keep having the courage to ask yourself if you know if that story was to appear in the paper tomorrow morning, can you face the feedback from the masses? Uh, because there'll be some that will support you and there will be some that won't and you always hope that for the benefit of humanity the majority uh, will always support the position that you took because it was fair, it was well thought out, it considered environmental risks. Um, there's so many factors to be considered but I, I do believe that especially in North America that we've become far too centered on quarterly profits, um, short-term benefits, and we forget the long-term uh, penalties that we incur that I think our, our grandkids are, are going to be inheriting, uh, whether that's on the environmental front or on the, on the financial front or on the emotional front. And, and I really think that as authentic leaders, we should be doing every, every step in our power to make certain that we're not enabling that that old system. You you've talked a lot about mentors in your life, and I imagine you've had some examples of what we call bad bosses that you've learned as much from and observing. Um, would you agree that we can learn as much from the bad? I'm going to call them. I, I don't know that you have bad mentors, but I don't know you'd call them mentors, but. Uh, you know, people who who you've learned from to say, I'm not going to lead like that guy or that person. There's no question. You're absolutely absolutely correct. Um, I have always been fortunate, at least for me, to have uh, that pit of your stomach feeling, and I've always known um, at the end of the day whether I'm doing something that uh, I should or shouldn't do. And so when those mentors crossed my paths that were asking me to do something or telling me to do something that I knew was just wrong, I just knew it in the pit of my stomach and I just couldn't do it. I just wouldn't do it. And um, that was really important to me. And I, I mentioned uh, the gentleman at KPMG, uh, Bill Bay. Uh, Bill, Bill was phenomenal. I mean, he he would watch me interact with with clients who, you know, had questionable approaches to their business strategy, and yet he, you know, he would never compromise principles. He was just so true to his word, and so I got to see the the side that you might not want to follow <laughs> in parallel with with the side that really uh, really jazzed with me and um and so he, he you know i'm fortunate to say in, in in my whole career if i've had three people that had the ability to influence me negatively that would be all i've had um i mean as a leader i've had lots of people yell and scream at me but but that's fine they can do that that doesn't influence you uh, if, if you don't let it um but those people that truly can can tell you at the end of the day what to do or not do, I've, I've only had three that I would say 
I could never follow their lead. It, it just didn't resonate with me. So, Dale, one of the things that, and you know my premise on this, that I, I, I talk about the role of failure, the role of, of uh, pain, role of suffering, to help us humble ourselves, to bring us down to that level of depth. Do you agree that, that's, that those experiences can actually be a gift in our life? Has that been your experience? And I don't know if you've got any particular stories that you might want to share with us. Or are there other ways that we learn? I, I know you, you are just a consummate lifelong learner. And you have this thirst to grasp whatever you can from the people around you and learn from them. And I know that you've spoken a great deal to developing your authentic presence and your leadership capacity by being, by being a learner and by being mentored by people um, all around you. Can you speak to this role of failure at the same time, or are there other ways that you have developed that sense of depth that you have today uh, that, has, that has made you so credible and really loved by your staff. You aren't just respected and admired. You really are genuinely loved by the people around you, Dale. How have you, how has that happened? Um, so the, the short answer for, not short, there's a couple, <laughs> there's a couple of points, David. Um, one for me would be even, even attending the other Everest program that you offered, uh, that I, that I was recently to in, in, uh, April or May, um, being with that cohort uh, really helped me ask tough questions about sort of where I am now and where I want to go next. And those experiences, like you offered, um, they're rare. It's rare for humans to open up to one another and really be prepared to expose the good, the bad, and the ugly. And in my life, I've had I've had ugly. I've had my fair share of failures uh, on the personal front uh, through divorce and and corporately. As I mentioned, I've I've been fired once. Uh, thankfully, only only once. Um, and and each time that I've faced the the failures, uh, they were at the end of the day they turned into great opportunities at the time that you're working through it <laughs> you might not see it <laughs> um, however I, I would suggest that every every tough time uh, finds the resolve that's within you to seek solutions and often it's imperative that that your your authentic self be fairly pure at that point because you can get handed to you quick solutions to some pain and if you choose to accept it yes you get out of that immediate pain in a shorter amount of time you will compromise your core values in parallel is my experience and so not taking the short path but allowing that pain to be felt allowing that pain to become real. And as a very good friend of mine said, you'll never forget the taste in your mouth uh, when you've really accepted um, 
that the low points in your life and and if you really accepted those low points you really you know experience that taste in your mouth you'll work all that much harder uh to, to hopefully not let that happen again life is a great teacher now what have i not this is uh, i could spend the the whole afternoon uh, picking your brain, Dale, and understanding your leadership philosophy. I know you would have put conscientiously some thought into this uh, conversation before we, before it started, before we uh, began. What have I not asked you? What would you like to pass along to our listeners, be they maybe aspiring leaders who want to really make a difference in the world, or leaders who are at the stage in their life where they want to just give back as you are? Um, and maybe just talk about this next chapter of your life. I know I'm talking to you right now in Nova Scotia, and you're looking over some pretty nice scenery there. Um, maybe maybe you can describe it to us what this next chapter of your life is looking like and what your vision is going forward here. But also, is there anything that I have not asked you today, Dale, that you want to pass along in terms of some wisdom, perspective, thoughts around leadership development? What what do we need to know about leadership that we, that hasn't been said today in our conversation? I'm going to make a comment and then I'm going to pose a question to you, David. Uh, the first comment is, above all else, be patient with yourself and with others. Um, I know that that's, a, that's an easy word to say. It's a very hard word to live. Um, even in having a conversation with someone, you know, that silence is incredibly uncomfortable for some people. And it, it takes time. You need to grow comfortable with it and stay quiet. Um, I, I was always told, uh, I don't play cards, but by those that do play cards told me that the person that blinks first is, is a loser. Um, so be patient. Be patient with yourself. Be patient with others would be my first point. Um, my question for you, David, would be, I, I hope uh, over the years I have learned from you and the work that you've done in, in anticipation of authentic leadership being come central, I believe, to reshaping what we'll call the Western world, what, what are the largest risk factors from your perspective that you feel leaders need to be reminded of in order to lift us out of some of the short-term too easy solutions that we we grasp onto well that's that's a great question that's a great question i think you know i'm going to come back to your reflection about patience and in order to exhibit the quality of patience it means that you have to be on a journey, some kind of a journey, to be patient with yourself on. If you're not on any kind of a journey, if you're just living impulsively in life and just by the whims of emotion, and by the way, I think that authenticity has taken a very bad rap because people have used it as an excuse to be a jerk. They say, well, I'm, that's just my authentic self. I'm just going to be a jerk. And, and I think we have to be really careful when we're talking about being true to yourself. What is that self? 
And, you know, there's an adolescent self in us, that, this impulsive side. And I, not that all adolescents have that impulsive side, but as a developmental process, there's, a, there's an adolescent side. Don't mistake, that's the impulsive side. Don't mistake in that for authenticity. Authenticity is who you are born to be. It's the essence of who we are when we come into this world. And aligning our self, our accountable self, with that authentic self. So I think the, the risk involved is to not be on a journey and to just uh, do what the world wants and follow the path of the world. I'm 63 years old. How many voices do you think there are in this world that tell me how to be a successful 63-year-old, what I should be driving, what my life should be looking like, what success would look like? And I think we have to really stop and ask ourselves, what is our own definition of success? And having been through uh, my own uh, experience in helping my brother die this last five years uh, and taking him through that experience, I do know that if we really stop and carefully examine what we want to be said at our funeral, we'll come up with our own definition of success. It's risky to take a look at ourselves and say, where are the gaps in my own life? This is how I want my life to be. This is how my life currently is. And I'm going to stop and actually examine where those gaps are and work toward a journey that moves those gaps closer together. I don't know that we'll ever completely bridge that gap between our ideal self and our reality. We're human and we're on this, it's, a, it's really a method of travel rather than a destination, but it is a journey. And it, when we, and I always say it's, it's direction, not velocity. When we're traveling this journey to really, I do believe, have patience. It's a, it's a great reminder that you've given us today. But we got to be traveling on this journey intentionally of closing this gap between how we really define success in our life. What does that honestly mean for us and how we're actually living our life and to be intentional about that? And it's not, it's not comfortable. It's risky to stop and really ex uh, examine our life. But in the words of the great philosophers, the unexamined life really truly is not worth living. I don't know if that answers your question. You always come up with better questions than, uh, <laughs> than I have answers to, but it's a no, great question. Do you have some thoughts about that? No, well, I mean, other than agreeing with you, um, I, I really believe that uh, we're at a critical juncture in the human journey. Uh, we have, you know, we have a number of uh, populations that um, are truly looking for strong leadership, not not necessarily military leadership, but strong leadership in, in terms of what's going to make the, the globe uh, um, inhabitable for all of us uh, w with equal equal um, celebration of, the, of the, the various attributes that we have available to us. And I do believe that sometimes uh, we forget that everything, every asset that we have is, uh, is to be enjoyed by all humans. And um, the choices that leaders make, whether they be political or business or financial or church, 
um, those decisions have such a huge implication on the lives of others. And, I, and sometimes I think they're taken far too casually. And so um, having the courage to do what's best for everyone is really important today. Well, I do believe, as you say, we're at a crossroads as a species in terms of our commitment to the environment, our commitment to this planet. And we all have to find our own path to say, this is the contribution that I'm going to make and align that contribution with, with our gifts and our capacities and our passion and uh, our love. And uh, I know my work personally is, is at the personal level. And I don't think we're going to treat the planet any differently than we treat ourselves and we treat each other. And it's about bringing humanity into the world uh, through our realness and through our, you know, being, being more, what I call being more fully human and create systems that support that. In conclusion, Dale, it's been such an honor to, to spend this time with you. Any concluding thoughts in terms of your own personal vision at this point and uh, what, what this next chapter of your life looks like for you? I, I encourage every listener to be willing to support yourself and to support others. Have the courage to do what's best. And also know that there's so much support out here uh, for anyone uh, by people that, that want to, to provide um, the, the kind of lending hand that I think is part of that authentic journey. And that's certainly what I'm hoping to do, um, continue to do, but now do in a, in a different way uh, because I've, I've, I've committed to myself uh, that uh, I will not take on any more full-time leadership roles, I really want to figure out how I can support others in a way that um, allows them to be the leaders, in a way that they get the support that I got when I was a leader. Well, Dale, it's my good fortune to have uh, this conversation with an incredible human being. Thank you for your contribution to our listeners and uh, to this world and to the people I know that you influence. And it's been a great honor, great honor to spend this uh, very short amount of time with you. It's so, I always say that authenticity is a lot like beauty. You, you, it's really, it's like going into an art museum and you come out and someone says, well, describe what beauty is. And because you've just experienced it and you just, you, you just know when it's there, even though it's very difficult to articulate it. I've done my best to, to work together with, with uh, my, my, uh, people that I have, my, these leaders that I have these conversations with to try to articulate what is authenticity. You have just demonstrated it today, in my view, what authenticity is, even though it's so challenging to articulate it. And I think the most important thing is we experience it, articulate it, you just know when it's there. And I know that uh, it's there with you, Dale, and thanks very much for taking the time today.